Masechet Megillah, Daf Chet. We are in the middle of the En Ben Mishnayot. We mentioned first that there's no difference between the first Adad and second Adad regarding the laws of Purim, except, and once we started with that pattern of no difference between two items, uh, so now we're going into a whole series of Mishnayot to start with the same formula, and Ben. And today we're going to see four different laws. They're on all different topics. So we get to get a tour of uh, Nedarim and Negaim and uh, lots of fun things. So we begin. And Ben Hamudar Hana'am Echavero, Lemudar Mimenu Ma'achal, Ela Derisata Regel, Bechelim She'en Osin Bahen Ochel Nefesh. In the olden days when people would uh, get angry at each other, one might say, I vow that you may not benefit from any of my property. Uh, you cannot benefit from me. So that would be mudar, mudar hana'a. That would be a more expansive formula. Um, but maybe if they weren't quite as angry, they would say, I forbid you from benefiting any f- from any food that I have. Uh, so those are similar formulas. What would be a practical difference between them? One would be allowing you to walk through my yard. If I said, you may not derive any benefit from me at all, then you can't even take a shortcut through my backyard. But if I just said, you may not benefit in a, uh, from any, of any of my food, then you can still go through my backyard. And also, uh, vessels that have nothing to do with cooking. So if it was, uh, for example, a hairbrush, uh, if I just said, you may not benefit from my food, you could still borrow my hairbrush, but not my cutlery. Okay, so that's pretty straightforward. And the government will make only a couple of comments on this. So that means regarding any vessels that are used for food, it would be the same. Like if you wanted to borrow my pot, uh, then whether I said you may derive no benefit at all, or whether I said you may not derive any food benefit, either way, you can't borrow my pot. Uh, good. Did regarding walking through my yard? Hold on, even if I say, don't, you can't have any benefit from me, but people usually don't mind when there's a little foot traffic in their, in their, in their yard. Uh, and so therefore, since people don't mind anyway, so it's not, it's not like I'm putting up a toll booth and charging people as they go through, walk through my field. So then it should be okay, even for uh, since I don't care about it, it should be okay, even if I made a vow that you can't benefit from me. So the answer to that is, The said, this would follow the opinion of Rabbi Eliezer and elsewhere, who said that overlooking something that I have a right to, but I overlook it and I say you can, is nevertheless prohibited if I make a vow that you can have no benefits. In other words, even though I overlook it for most people, there is still some benefit that I am conveying upon those people that I'm allowing to walk through my field. Theoretically, I could stop them. And so therefore, even though I overlook it for most people, it is still a benefit. And therefore, if I vow that you may not benefit at all from from me, then you also may not go through the yard. All right, that's topic number one. Number two, Mishnah says, "En ben nedarim lindavot ela shenedarim hayav ba'chadutam undavot en hayav ba'chadutam." So also regarding the theme of vows, there's two ways to make a vow if I uh, to require myself to bring an animal. One is a neder. A neder is on me. I say that I am responsible to bring 
an animal for uh, for a, for a certain offering. Um, the other one is a nedava, which is just a gift offering. I say uh, this animal I am going to give. So the difference between them them is that. Um, nedavot, if I am um, specifying this animal and it gets lost or stolen, I am not responsible for it. Whereas if I take it upon myself, the obligation, and it gets lost and stolen, then I am responsible for it. Okay, also pretty straightforward. Um, Gemara will note that since it says this is the only difference between them, so when, then what is something that is a similarity? Regarding the prohibition not to be late applies to both of them. If I make a vow uh, that I'm going to give an animal, then I should bring it in a timely manner. We discussed what that means in Masechet Rosh Hashanah, whether it's uh, three festivals that pass by, I have to make sure to bring it uh, before the last one. So whether I take the obligation upon myself or I uh, devote this particular animal. Either way, I have to bring it soon. So in that, they're the same. Now, Tenanatam, we learned in Mishnah, there in Nidarim, that elaborates on this Mishnah here. Ezehu, or our Mishnah summarizes what it says there. Ezehu neder ha'omed hare alai ola. Neder means, if I say this, I, I, there's an uh, obligation upon me to bring a burnt offering. And what does it mean? A gift offering? I point to an animal and I say, this will be an ola. So what's the difference between the two formulas? If I take the obligation upon myself as a neder, then if it dies or it gets stolen or it gets lost, I have to replace it with another one. But if I say this animal, Dali here, I'm going to bring, and then it died or was stolen or was lost, then too bad. Oh, so uh, uh, oh well. And I am not responsible to bring another one. Minahanemile questions what is the source for this? The beginning of Aikra talking about an Ola offering. It says it will be acceptable for him to make atonement upon him. This law and alav, it's a double language here. So we're learning it from, from that. The Bishimon Omer says about the Pasuk, et she'alav ve'et she'eno alav eno So I'm only responsible for it if it is upon me, if I take upon myself the obligation, I am responsible no matter what happens. And if it's not upon me, then I am not responsible. Uh, so to elaborate just a little further, on what that means, that was all um, from a Braita. The Gemara will explain my mashma. What, how, how are you learning it from this word? Amar bi Yitzhak about Abdimi kevan amar alai kevan de ta'en akatve dame. Once a person says hare alai ola, I am obligated, so I'm putting the obligation upon my shoulders, and so I am responsible for it, no matter what happens to the animal. And that's what we learned from that word alav. All right, and now we get to the third. Topic and Ben Zav Shalosh Ela Korban. We're talking about a Zav, which is uh, applies to a male uh, who has an emission from his member, some kind of gonorrhea, some kind of disease emission. If he only sees one emission and that's it, then that he has only a low level of tumah. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about when he sees either two or three emissions. It could be two over two different days, or two on the same day, or three on three consecutive days, or uh, on the same day. 
so uh, in either way, he's going to be tameh, a high level of tum'ah, as we're going to see. The difference is when he wants to become tahor, if he saw three emissions, he has to bring a set of sacrifices. If he only saw two emissions, then he only has to go wait uh, seven days, go to mikveh, and he does not have to bring sacrifices. That's the difference. Okay, as we did before, so in what sense are they the same? So regarding uh, the type, the way that they can transmit Tum'ah, they're the same. Not only do they transmit Tum'ah by touching, but also by sitting or lying on a chair or a bed. Now you'll think, if I'm sitting on a chair, uh, aren't I touching it? Yes, but even if, even if I'm not touching it, for example, if I have a mattress upon a mattress upon a mattress, and I'm only lying down on the top one, uh, that zav would make the or even the bottom mattress that he's not touching also tameh. So it's a special kind of tum'ah that is a high level. And so that would apply both uh, someone who sees only two emissions or three emissions, transmit tum'ah in that way. And also, someone who sees two or three, both have to wait seven days after they finish seeing uh, any emissions, seven clean days before they can go to the mikveh and become clean. So in that way, they're the same. <clears throat> the only difference is a korban. Now we ask, what's the source of this from a pesukim? And the answer is, we're going to see a b'raita. Rabbi Simai Omer, katuv shetaim to understand what the BCMI is teaching, let's look at the Pasuk. There's one Pasuk in Vaikra 15.2 that says, Go tell Bnei Israel, Matelahem, Ish, Ish, Zav Zovo Tameh. You see, it says the word Zav and then Zovo, so that each, word, each time it says the word Zav, we say that is referring to an emission. And after two emissions, Tameh, that person is Tameh. So that's how we learn that after two is Tameh. And then the very next pasuk, pasuk three, says, "Zot yetumato bezovo, rabesovo et zovo, ochtim besaro mizovo, tumato hi, tumato hi." And so here it says the word "zovo" three times, referring to three emissions, and he becomes tameh. So now, which one is it? Do you need two emissions to become tameh, or three emissions to become tameh? There must be some difference between them. So for sure, they're both Tameh, but after two, twice, you get that high level of Tumah, and after three times, then what's added? A requirement to bring uh, sacrifices at the end. So that's the difference between them. Okay, now you'll say it's a little bit arbitrary. It just says two, or then it says three. How do I know what they're applying to, what they're applying to? So the Gemara will is now going to explore every possibility of what could be the difference between between two and three, and is going to prove it has to be exactly as we said that two becomes tameh and three requires a korban. So let's think about other possibilities. Maybe after two, the person, the Zav, uh, imparts Tum'ah. But after uh, three, then he has to bring a Korban, but is not Tameh anymore. Uh, no, in other words, switches. After two is Tameh. After three, not Tameh, instead Korban. No, that doesn't make sense. Before he can see three, he already has to see two. Once he sees two, he's going to be impure and transmit impurity. And so for sure, he's going to remain impure after three, right? Two is included in three. So three has to be more than that. And so what's the more? 
He's not only Tameh, he also has to bring a Korban. Okay, so we answered that. Wait, another possibility. Maybe after two omissions, then he has to bring a sacrifice to become pure, but he's not Tameh. Um, and after three, that's when he becomes Tameh and, and also transmits Tumah. Uh, so for two for Korban, three for Tumah. So that's still, right, it's still always increasing here. So we wouldn't have the problem we had before. No, that wouldn't make sense either. Now we're going to quote a Braita that's going to answer this question. Uh, so remember, all beforehand we were talking about a BCMI, uh, that, um, that Braita was Braita number one. And now we're going to quote a second Braita in order to clarify um, that it can't be two for Korban and three for Tum'ah. The Tanya. We're going to do a lot of work with this mem here. Uh, the mem, mizovo, is a limiting uh, word. It's a limiting uh, particle. Uh, means not any zo, any zav, the only some, uh, only some type of zav. So what are we learning from this? Miksat zavin in korban, umiksat zavin and in korban. Since this pasuk is referring to bringing a korban, and it says he will atone before God, from him, from his emission, oh, only from some type of emission, only some zavin bring a korban, but others don't. So which one is it? So it must be that if he, only if he sees three emissions, he has to bring korban, these two emissions, and he doesn't have to bring a korban. And this would reject the possibility that we brought before that for two, he has to bring a korban. If so, then every kind of Major Zav would bring Korban two and three. So he wouldn't say Mizovo, it would be all Zavim. And so that's how we learned that it has to be two makes him Tameh, three makes him require, uh, uh, obligated in a Korban. All right, that seems clear. Another possibility though. Maybe when he sees two, then he has to bring a Korban. If he sees three, then he doesn't have to bring Korban. Somehow, uh, the extra one, the extra emission actually undoes something. Well, obviously, that doesn't make sense. Two is included in three. So once you bring two, you have to bring Korban, then all the more so. When he has, has three emissions, he's going to bring Korban. So since only some bring Korban, must be that only when you have three, you bring Korban, but the other kind of Zav, only two, doesn't bring a Korban. All right. So now we basically uh, resolved all these possibilities. And now we're going to show why we need both of these taught the first Braita from the BCMI, um, who was counting the number of times it says Zav, and the second Braita that focuses on the Mem of Mizovo. We need both to clarify each other. If I only had the BCMI counting the number of what times it says Zav, when we would have asked the question that we asked, that how do you know? I know there's something that's two, there's something that's three, but how do you know what's two and what's three? And so we needed Kamashmalan Mizovo. We needed the word, the, that mem from Mizovo to tell me that only not every type of Zav brings a Korban. So it must be that three brings a Korban, two doesn't. So I need the second Beraita to clarify the first. Vi Mizovo, if I only had the second Beraita, Layadana Kamari Iyot. And then I, if I only had the second one, I wouldn't know how many is, it brings me up to that requirement. Maybe it's the difference between one and two or three and four. 
So I need me, I need the BCMI to tell me first I counted two, and that leads to one level of Tumah, and the next Pasuk has three times of all, and that leads to a second level of Tumah. So now I know how many, it's the difference between two and three, Kamash Malan, did a BCMI. All right, good. So all that is clear. Um, but now we're going to find another time it says the word Mizova uh, towards the end of the, of the process when the Zav now is going to become Tahor. It again says this word Mizova. So Damar Mizova Lidrasha. Now that you taught me that I can learn something from the word Mizova. When it says when that the Zav will be cleansed from his emission, you're it's giving me some kind of limitation that there's a limit on the in the cleansing process that some type of Zav has to do and some type of Zav doesn't have to do. So what is it? Mizovo velo mizovo venigo. So we're actually going to learn two things from this. The first one is that let's say a person has really bad luck, and not only does he have this zav emission, but at the same time he also gets sarat on the skin, the skin disease, and so now he's tameh for both of these reasons. I might think that he cannot start counting his clean days for zav until he gets rid of his sarat also. And so therefore, this comes to teach Mizovo, he can start his cleansing process of Zav, um, even if he still has Sadat. So that once he stops seeing an emission, he can start counting the clean days. And then hopefully in the meantime, Sadat will also go away. And then he goes to Mikveh at the end, and then he'll be cleansed from both. He doesn't have to be cleansed from both in order to start counting. That's one thing we learned from it. And now we also learn Mizovo Vesafar. So even though the 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 uh, we would put a comma here, mizavo comma, and then if he, once he is cleansed from his emission, then he can start counting. We're putting these words together to say mizavo v'safar limed al zav bal sheteriyot shetaun sefirat shiva. What are we learning from here? We're learning that even someone who has only two emissions, a man who has two emissions, still has to count seven clean days. Um, if I didn't have this, I might have thought maybe only person who has a man who has three emissions has to count has to count seven clean days, but two emissions is lighter and would only have to count one day. I might have thought that, and uh, therefore mizava comes to include um, that he has to count uh, that as well. Now you might ask, you might ask, I don't need a pasuk to say mizovo v'safad, the one who is the mizovo. Remember before we said mizovo means uh, including the uh, uh, the two, and so I might have thought I don't need a pasuk mizovo to tell me this. I could uh, under figure it out logically, since someone even someone who has two missions causes Tum'ah in this way that if he even lies down or sits on something, he causes Tum'ah, since he has that high level of Tum'ah, then I might say that is associated, goes along with requiring seven clean days. And so I don't need this Mizovo Vesafar to teach me that. Now, I might have thought that, but that would be illa, not be a logical conclusion because shomeret yom keneged yom tochiach shemetame'ah mishkavu moshav because the female Zava, uh, a relative of this, 
will teach me otherwise. So here's something really interesting and important to uh, concretize. There's a difference between a zav and a zava. Um, one difference is a zav is some kind of gonorrheal emission. A zava means a woman who sees blood not during the time of her period. This expected time of her period, then that's nida. But when it's unexpected time, then that's considered more uh, more unusual and therefore a disease. And that's her the female equivalent of uh, of zava. Now, a woman who sees um, once is the same as like zav, low level. If she sees twice, then she all she does not have to count seven clean days. Only one clean day. And so that's a way in, in which a zava is less stringent than a zav. Only if a woman sees three times um, uh, an emission of blood, then she becomes a full zava and has to wait seven clean days and bring a korban and all that. So, uh, okay. Nevertheless, e a zava who sees two days, nevertheless does impart impurity by sitting or lying down on something. So the point of this is that um, this shomere jom kinege jom, that literally means she observes one clean day for one unclean day, and she doesn't have to do all seven clean days. And even though she does impart impurity in this high level, she does not have to count seven clean days. Therefore, there's no logical connection between the two. And that's why for the man, I do need this derivation of mizovo vesafar in order to teach me that even a man who has two uh, emissions must count seven clean days. Okay. And don't be wondrous about this. I know you were being wondrous. Uh, don't be. Uh, that even though you could have a person who has a high level of tumah, and makes things tamed by sitting and lying on them, nevertheless, will not count seven days. Don't, don't be so wondrous, because that is, in fact, true for a zava who sees two uh, blood emissions. And that's why I need to tell me by the man, So the word mizavo means even if he's not a full zav of three times, even if he only said saw two times, then nevertheless, he has to count seven clean days. Very good. Now, um, we just learned two different things from the word mizovo, right? Once at the beginning of the parasha, one at the end of the parasha, and we learned it in two different ways. So what's the difference between this mizovo, uh, where we said that includes that uh, uh, someone who saw two omissions, that he has to count seven clean days, whereas earlier we said mizovo is limiting, that says, and we learn from there that someone who has two missions does not have to bring an offering. In one case, we learn Mizavot to be inclusive of, of, a, of a two emission guy. And one, we learned it to be exclusive uh, that the two mission guy does not have to bring Korban. It's the same word. How come you're applying it in different ways? And uh, Bayez's answer is, If you think that this, this one over here regarding seven clean days is coming to uh, limit and exclude uh, the, the hymn, then then you know what? The, uh, the Torah could have just skipped the word altogether. And I would have never assumed that he should, that he needs to count anything. So when the fact that the Torah is adding an extra word, 
must be that it's coming to include him in the counting. Otherwise, just skip the word altogether. And if you'll say, oh, it's logical, the logic we saw before, since he has a high level of Tumah and imparts Tumah by sitting or lying on something, therefore for sure he counts clean days. We already, we already rejected that. A woman, Zava, will uh, prove that that's not true because if she sees two days, Nevertheless, she does not have to count seven clean days. And finally, and if you say, wait, I have to put the word in to learn that other law, that even that poor guy who has a, a mission, a Zava mission, and is also Sadat, and I will have to learn that he can start counting seven clean days, even while he's Sadat. So I need the word right? And so therefore, um, since I have to have put the word mizova in, so how do you know it's coming to include and not exclude? I could have learned the same law regarding the sarat guy, but just had uh, when the zav comes to become clean, so he can start counting. He can uh, he can isolate his uh, zav tumah from his sarat tumah. I wouldn't have to have a full word And therefore, um, in this case, because I didn't need the word at all, and the Torah is coming to and um, putting in the word, so it must be that it's including the zav who sees twice that he does have to count seven clean days. All right, and that was the third topic, and now we get to the fourth and final topic. And Ben And so we go from Zaf to Mitzora. Uh, regarding someone who sees this um, skin disease, um, what he would do is first he would go to the Kohen, and the Kohen would check it out, and if he saw, mm, looks like a borderline problem, we want to wait and see, so he would quarantine him. Okay, so that's called Mesoram Muscad. Muscad goes into quarantine. He's not yet fully Tameh. We're still not sure what he is. He's going to check him after another seven days. Um, and uh, unlike a Mesoram Muchlat, that means he's confirmed, right? He's tested, tested positive. He's a definite Mesoram, uh, um, uh, um, and he has to go through the whole process. So what's the difference between someone who's only quarantined and in waiting and someone who is confirmed? The difference is piri'a uferima. That means letting the, uh, uh, the hair grow and rending one's garments. Someone who is a confirmed mesora has to let his hair grow and uh, tear his garments. Someone who is only quarantined doesn't have to do those things. Okay, good. And uh, furthermore, and ben tahor mitoch esker le tahor mitoch hechlet ela tiglachat vesiporim. And there's also no difference between a someone who was a mesora because he was only quarantined and now he becomes tahor to someone who was confirmed to be a sarat. And now, and now becomes tahor, right? And both of them, now they can re-enter society. But the difference between them is um, once they finish, right? Remember, he was not allowed to cut his hair while he was, uh, while he was out of the machaneh. Now he must um, cut his hair. And the one who was confirmed to be a mesora has to bring birds as part of his purification. Whereas the one who was only quarantined and was never tested positive, confirmed positive, uh, does not have to bring uh, birds to in, uh, as a, a impurity. Okay, so that's a double and ben there, uh, both having to do with the difference between a quarantined mesorah and someone who's confirmed.
Okay, so like we saw the pattern before, what do they actually do? What do they have in common? Regarding uh, expelling them from the encampment. So when they were in the desert, they would be expelled from the, from the camp. Um, and when they were in Eretz Israel, they would be excluded from walled cities. They could not be in them and they had to go out. And I'm sure this was good for a disease control also, uh, so that their, this uh, skin disease, uh, which was contagious, other people wouldn't catch it. So that's the, true for, for both of them, even if it's only for, that's the whole point of quarantining is to get away from everyone else. Now we ask, what is the source that these are, there are these differences between the two? So since the Pasuk says, um, that once the once the mesora um, becomes pure, so then he will wash his clothes v'taher, and he is purified. This pasuk is talking about a quarantined mesora, and it's saying that. Um, as long as the Kohen comes and sees, no, he's okay. So he only has to go to the Mikveh because he is somewhat Tameh. But then instead of saying what we would expect, Ve'yitad, and then he, will, then he becomes uh, Tahor, it says the word Ve'tahed as a status, like he has, or he has already been Tahor. There's no change in status. So in what way was he already Tahor? So we learn from this, that since he was only quarantined and never confirmed to be a Mesora, so he is purified, meaning he's exempt from the rituals that a, a confirmed Mesora would have to do, meaning let his, his, letting his hair grow and rending his garments. And here's where this is the source, number source number one, that we learn the difference between a quarantined Mesora and a confirmed Mesora. But we have a problem with this. Amal Rabba Ela Me'ata Gabe Zav Dichtiv Bechibes Begada Vetaher Hatamai Vetaher Meikara Ika. Rabba is going to challenge him. If you're going to learn something from the tense of the word Vetaher, because it's not in a future tense, it's in a um, it's a a, 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 a present tense. Uh, so then I'm going to go back to Zav. Remember Zav? We just came from there. And regarding Zav, it says that he will wash his clothes and he is already tahor and he is clean, not that he becomes clean. Well, regarding Zav, he for sure was tameh and this is the process by which he is becoming tahor. So in what sense does it mean that he had already been uh, he had already been tahor? What is that status that already was there? So regarding Zav, we know the answer. Um, but it's a different one. And then we'll just apply this type of answer to Mesora. So the word V'tahed regarding Zav comes to teach me an interesting law. Let's say someone is Zav. Uh, he saw two omissions and he counts seven clean days. He goes to the Mikveh on the seventh day. He still has to wait till nighttime to become Tahor. But what if after he goes to the mikveh before night time, he all of a sudden sees another omission, and now this is poor poor guy. He's going to have to start all over again. His uh, seven clean clean days. Nevertheless, so that's a stringency. Nevertheless, there is a, a leniency. 
because he did go already, it did already go to the, the go to the mikveh. So he is tahod in the sense that um, uh, anything, something that he touched uh, during that time will not retroactively become tameh if it's a type of tumah called uh, heset. Heset is a type of tumah through moving. If I take like an earthenware vessel and I he, I cause a movement to it even without touching it indirectly. So this is a high level of transmitting tumah through heset. So uh, zav will conduct, will 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 uh, cause that impurity. But if you already went to the mikveh and touched something and then saw another emission retroactively, we don't we don't say that that vessel is impure. That's what we learned from the tense of echibes Don't worry, well, he has already been ta, ta, tahor. So that's what we that's how we apply that uh, present tense regarding zav. So well, you know what? We'll say the same thing regarding the misora. That if the kohen came and saw, oh, you know what? This uh, this looks okay. And so then he goes and touches. He goes into a house. Misora uh, makes causes tumah by going into a house, and everything in the house becomes tameh. So if he goes into a house, and then later on the kohen looks at the same spot and said, "Oh, you know what? It got bigger." Uh, I, I say it's it's tameh. So retroactively, now we know that that spot was actually sarat. Nevertheless, we don't apply that tumah retroactively and say that the house is tameh. So that's all that word vitaher in present ten, tense means. And we learn that from Zav, and the same would be true for Mesora. So therefore, we cannot use that derivation. And so we offer a second and final one, Ela Amarava. Right again, what we're trying to figure out is um, why is there a difference between a quarantined and confirmed Mesora that only a confirmed Mesora has to let his hair grow? And rent his clothes. A leper who has uh, the this uh, 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 disease in him. So we learn from that. Only if it's dependent on his body, and meaning it really has a uh, this disease on his body, then he has to tear his clothes and let his hair grow. That means a confirmed mesora, but not a quarantine, because a quarantine mesora, his, his is dependent on time. We have to come back and see after seven days if he in fact has uh, has has sara'at. Uh, so it's not the, his sarat status is not on his, dependent on his skin because he doesn't yet have it. He's not, we're not sure he has it. It only is only a waiting period. And so this is how we learn that there is a difference between the two types of mesora. So that's what Ava says. Now he says, if you're going to apply that, then look at the next pasuk, which is regarding um, the, 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 the time uh, that he has to wait. This is all the days which the plague shall be upon him. He shall be impure. So, this pasuk is describing who has to leave the, the encampment. And it says, uses the same phrase, it's in his body. And so if we fi- apply the same methodology, then we would say only a confirmed mesorah has to leave the encampment. Uh, but uh, someone who's only waiting, a quarantine, doesn't have to leave the encampment. And so there will be a difference between the two types of tumah regarding leaving the encampment. I mean, if you say, yeah, maybe that's indeed true. 
but it can't be true because that goes against what, what we learned from the Mishnah and Ben Mishnah said there's only there's only one difference between the two types of sadat, and that is uh, letting the hair grow and rending garments. But we inferred from that that um, they are the same regarding leave, having to leave uh, the encampment. Um, and so they should be the same. They are the same. So you can't say, yeah, um, okay. So therefore, so to answer that, Rav says, oh, I'm not, I have in this pasuk here, I not only have, I have the word kol. Kol is an inclusive word. And that comes to include that even someone who's only in the waiting period, quarantine, also has to leave the camp. Okay. Okay, once you're saying you the word kol and you're including uh, the quarantine, so why not include them also for the laws for the laws of uh, of uh, shaving and bringing and bringing the uh, bird sacrifice? Because right, the continuation of that pasuk there is that um, after once he's once he's done, then he cuts his hair and brings the bird sacrifices. So if you say the word kol comes to include even a quarantine mesorat, uh, then you would have to do these rituals too. Um, and we know that's, that's not that's not the case because we just learned in our Mishnah that the one who was only quarantined does not have to um, shave and bring the birds. So how are you going to answer that? So the Pasuk says um, that uh, the Kohen will go um, outside the camp where the where the Misara is, and if he finds that it has been healed, then he has to do the whole ritual of shaving and bringing the birds. So from the fact that it says he is healed, it means that it's talking about someone who's uh, whose, uh, whose status depends on being healed. That means he was confirmed to be a Mesorah, and then he was healed. Only that person has to go through the full process of uh, shaving and uh, bringing sacrifices. But if it was not dependent on his being healed because he was never confirmed to be sick in the first place, he was only quarantined, that person does not have to go through the rest of the process. And with that concludes our fourth and Ben. Um, but uh, don't worry, we have more coming up tomorrow. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.